Alright everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a good time tonight. Amen. It's a good night to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States. Then I'll have Pastor Katie do the announcements for us because, you know, she's just really good at that. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give Jesus some praise. All right, I will turn it over to Pastor Katie. Well, good evening. Uh, Douglas Cockman. Where, where is Douglas? Douglas, I'm going to need you to leave your post. Can you exit the sound booth? Exit the sound booth. Okay, now I need you to sprint. Well done. Okay, now you can stand next to your birthday buddy. Okay. And now let's sing again. Ready? Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Doug and Pastor Dave. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, gentlemen. (laughs) So finally, Pastor Dave has a birthday buddy. We've all like, you know, we all have these birthday buddies. But actually, on the 24th, they were both born on the 24th. What? So I I saw that I shared a birthday with Barry Bonds, you know, one of the biggest cheaters in sports history. And so, uh, you know, (laughs) then I found out that I shared a birthday with Doug, and he's so much better of a guy to share a birthday with, so... Thank you, Douglas. You're the man. All right. I'm only a few years older than him, so that's good. (laughs) Okay, praise the Lord. Men's fishing trip, 4 a.m. in the morning in front of Victory Hall, $20 pole rentals. And the HGWC pool party. You must be registered, okay? If you're not on the list, the guest list, we can't let you in. I know that sounds quite snobby, but it's not that I'm snobby. It's that we have a certain number of people allowed in the pool area. So we have to say no to the people who didn't choose to cooperate. So submit and go register, okay? Submission is a blessed, wonderful principle of the word. So the uh, QR codes are on the little forms on the info booth. So make sure that you do that. And if you need a link instead of the QR code, just let me know and I'll help you out. Okay. Or if you need help registering, we'll do that for you. We'll be glad to do that. Men's meeting is coming August 6th. So not this coming weekend, but the next one. Praise the Lord. And then promotion Sunday for all of our kids moving on up in the world is going to be August 7th at the 10 a.m. service. Is that also back to school bash Sunday? Okay. They are also 
going to be super sugared up when you leave service that Sunday. So just preparation. Okay. All right. That's it. That's all I got. Oh, and this is our last moment with Mimi Alice before she goes back to her real home. So she's leaving Tuesday. Make sure to hug her and bless her before you leave. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and do our Sunday evening happy time. Amen. Do we got any cheerful givers in the house tonight? Yeah, man. That's all we've got around here is cheerful givers. Let's open our Bibles to Luke 6 and verse 38. Everyone loves it. Luke 6, verse 38. And um, I'm going to do it in the King James, I believe. Luke 6 and verse 38. And this is one of the wonderful Bible verses that I've learned as a kid and it's been something that uh, has paid off over the years because uh, one thing that I love about about the Lord is that he does everything the exact opposite of how this world tells you to and when we will step out in faith and do it his way we see that even though his way is opposite of everything that they say to do his way always works for us amen So let's go ahead and do this verse together. And I think that it would be very befitting if we would all read it together in unison. Who thinks that that's probably the right thing to do? Leah, that's what the kids would do? Okay. All right. So let's read this together. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Amen. And so what we're saying here is give and it shall be given unto you. And I know so often we're just, we're wanting stuff to be given unto us. You know, Lord, I need a harvest. Lord, I need, I need something given unto me. Well, hey, God promises that that'll happen. But the first step is that we've got to be givers also. And I know sometimes we're like, well, I just don't have a whole lot to give. You, you, you give what you got. Amen. You start where you're at and give the Lord something to work with. But as we take that step of faith, just watch out because it comes back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. And so I encourage us that as we're giving tonight that, yeah, that's not our uh, whole motivation is just to get something back. But no doubt about it, we do get back when we give. Amen. It's the word of God. Well, let's go ahead and stand up. We are going to speak some faith over our tithes and our offerings tonight. Because everything we do is by faith. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Why don't you all join us at the altar tonight so we can worship together? Let's sing together. We're rising up from the ashes. No longer.
longer bound by chains. You gave your life for freedom. We're coming out of the shadows. Your glory tore through the veil. And now your light shines upon us. Cause we are free, we are yours. To God be the glory now and forever since my soul. To God be the glory now and forever since my soul. been washed in the river you turn our sorrow to joy and now we're singing your praises cause we are free we are yours to God be the glory now and forever sings my soul to God be the glory Oh, 
Father, we're so grateful to know that Satan's already been defeated. The Bible says so. He's under our feet. And your word says in multiple places that you're seated at the right hand of the Father waiting for your enemy to be made your footstool. And that means, Lord, because we are the body and the feet's on the body, you're waiting to see us demonstrate Satan's defeat in a major way. Father, I want to thank you that every time, every time we go through a battle and we walk by faith and not by sight, when the battle's over with, the smoke clears, we're still standing. Satan's defeat has been demonstrated again. You get the glory, and then people ask us, how did we do that? And that's the way it works every time, every time. Lord, we know that there's no great testimonies without a great test. And when we pass the test, because it's an open book test, but we stand on the Word of God and we pass the test, then we have the great testimonies, and that draws people to you, Lord. We thank you tonight for your presence here, for the people watching online, that the same Holy Spirit we have here is there, and it's ministered to them where they are. And Lord, I pray tonight for the things you have me to teach and to preach, that
that people are going to be sharpened. Some people are going to see things for the first time. It's going to be the answer they've been looking for. But the main thing is everybody's going to be changed. Everybody's going to be helped. And they're going to be able to influence others to make the right choices in life to win and get that victory we're thinking about. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. It is so good to be here tonight with people of like precious faith to share the Word of God together, to see things together. And the main thing is, is that the whole world is a mess right now, and it never caught God off guard. He started telling us thousands of years ago about what it was going to be like in the last days and the end times. But the thing is, he always told us what the answer was. Amen. He told us what the answer was. And the number one answer is get born again and grow and serve Jesus and get somebody else born again. That's, it's that simple. We get people saved and to get them in the family of God. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the power of influence and choices. You need to write that title down. The power of influence and choices. Power of influence and choices. And uh, when we when we get the word in just a minute, we're going to go to Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15, which happens to be our theme verse for the year. But uh, before we get there, I just want to talk about me for a little bit because I know me better than I know you. You know, you know you better than anybody else knows you. And I know me. Uh, I'm thinking about my life influence and choices, I was raised by unsaved parents, and the majority of their families were non-Christian. So most of my family never had any, any uh, sense of moral values, right moral values. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking my family, because when you don't know Jesus, you haven't been taught the Bible, you think lying's okay, you think stealing's okay, you see nothing wrong with uh, premarital sex, uh, live with somebody never getting married because you've never been taught different. So I don't cast stones at anybody that doesn't know Jesus, but it's different for Christians. If there's Christians doing those things, then you've got to judge yourself and some judging going on. But I'm just saying, I was raised in a family that knew none of those things. We knew drinking. And I was thinking a minute ago, my, uh, while we were uh, praying, my son, my grandson, Joel, brought my Bible, carried my Bible to me, and my preaching notebook I use up here, I was thinking, wow, when I was his age, I was carrying something that started with a beat of my dad, too. It was called beer. I carried, I carried beer to him and stuff like that and different things. We lived across the tavern. Sometimes I had to slip over the tavern to get it for him. The guy would give it to the back door. I'd take it across the street to the house. That's how I was raised. They saw nothing wrong with that. But my grandma, my grandma Price, she influenced me in a different way. I had influence from a Baptist grandma that the power of God through her overrode all the negative stuff through all my unsaved family. And then since grandma's influence through the Baptist church got into me, then I finally sold out to Jesus at 28 years old. Look at all the people I've influenced. You know, I'm thinking about my children. I was thinking about them while I was writing some notes this afternoon, the power of choice and influence. Number one, I made the choice I made the choice in 1980 when I found out Jesus was real that, and you know, it was such a 
different thing to me from the background where I was that, wow, if you're real, then why would I ever live any other way? Why would I ever go back? I made a choice. It was all the way or nothing. And I wasn't going to choose the nothing because that was hell. <laughs> and so I chose the all the way. And so because I chose back then to go all the way with him, he gave me a beautiful wife, a spiritual wife, somebody that was in agreement with me to serve God together. And then, uh, you know, I don't know how to say it any other way, except my wife loved to have babies. You know, the doctor finally told her to shut it off. She loved to have babies. She wanted babies to raise them for Jesus. You know, she kind of thought uh, she'll overpopulate the world with Christian babies. And so out of that, I just think about because of that choice she made to serve Jesus, I made to serve Jesus, <clears throat> then to serve Jesus together, we've had all these godly seed. And so how many people has the Samples family influenced? And, you know, all we're seeing is a little ripple right here in this one little church. But then you think about that, I look around at all of you that I know, how many people have your little ripples went out to? And by that I'm talking about you throw water in the pond and the little rings start going out and they keep on going out till they hit the shoreline then they stop. How, many, how, how, how much ripple effect have you had in your realm of influence? On your jobs, in your family, with those uh, casual one-time meetings with somebody at Walmart or some restaurant somewhere? You know, I was thinking as we were worshiping God, about, about my walk, and I'm talking about these things, talking about the power of influence and choices. Because of my choice, the truck route I had back when I got saved in 1980 was downtown Indianapolis. And so downtown Indianapolis, not like a lot of the big cities here, we had, I think Indianapolis had like maybe 700,000 people total covered the whole county. But that downtown run I had was the most influ influential part of Indianapolis, plus also it's where the homeless people were there back then. And in one day's time, I could lead a homeless person to the Lord and the president of a corporation in the same day, and I did it. Because of where I was. I, 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 I delivered to the governor's office, and then, and then I'd be up alleys, the back of businesses downtown, where there'd be people sleeping on the ground. And I'd reach out to them. I was thinking, I just think about that, the people I've got to pray for. You know, I think about one day I was sitting at a restaurant, and there was a man that would be Mr. Burtek here, he owned the biggest whatever you call it, refuge, trash hauling company that was in Indianapolis. His name was everywhere on those trucks. I was sitting at a restaurant one day. I saw this old guy sitting beside me there, and I just started witnessing to him. Then he told me what his name was and told me what he owned. I thought, wow, I know this guy. And so he looked pretty depressed. I said, can I pray for you? And the guy said, yeah, please do. And then I said, have you ever received Jesus? And the guy's in his 70s. He said, no. I said, well, can I pray for you? Would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? And I prayed for that guy to get saved. And I remember another day, Mrs. Pastor and I had a, had a missionary from China with us. Took her to a restaurant, and as we were going through the line, I just, all of a sudden, just nowhere, I said, hey, I'm buying his too, the guy behind me. I didn't know who he was. He was an Asian guy. And so I bought, I bought, I bought his dinner, and we were checking out. I stood there by the cash register, got up there, and the lady said, pointed to me, said, he already paid for yours. And the guy couldn't speak English because he was a Chinese guy. Come to find out that this was back when uh, they started bringing, opening up all the new automotive plants. He was the press. His name was on this new automotive plant. I mean, this guy was a multi-millionaire Chinese guy from China. And so it just so happened the lady that was with us, missionary in China. What a coincidence. So then we had him come and sit at our table, and she laid him through a prayer of salvation right at our table. And, you know, whatever happened with him at that, I don't know, because that was just a one-time thing 
But I'm talking about the influence we can have. We can have on poor people, our rich people. And as Christians, we are very, very wrong to judge somebody because they're rich or because they're poor. Rich people, poor people, the Bible says they're all the same. Without a Savior, they go to hell. Born again, they go to heaven. And so for us as Christians, we can reach out to anybody, anywhere, anytime. But the thing is, we just got to make that choice we did. When we got born again and we found out Jesus was real, we got to keep that reality stirred up. We got to always be ready. And you know, I think about when 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. Whether you feel saved or not, you are. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you're saved. Except the heart, you believe unto righteousness, mouth, uh, uh, confession is made unto salvation. And it doesn't say, if you feel saved, you're saved. Because you know what? A lot of days we don't feel saved. What does feeling saved feel like? Well, you talk about a feeling on the outside. Well, the Bible says we've got the witness and spirit on the inside. If you stop, no matter how bad you feel, no matter how ugly things are around, you stop and just listen on the inside. You say, Jesus, I just want to thank you. I'm saved because the Bible says I am. Well, then there it is. And then you get around people that aren't saved that all you do is when the door opens up, you start talking. And you start talking, the greater one that's in you than he that's in the world rises up. When he rises up, you're saying things and things are coming out of you and you're having influence. And, you know, I think about, I'm up here preaching tonight that's because I had a pastor that influenced me greatly for several years before he went to heaven when I got born again. And because of things he did still come out of me today. Things my Baptist Sunday school teacher talked about 60-some years ago come out of me today. And so we have to realize as Christians, we are influencers. And our choices have consequences. And so anyway, I want to look at Joshua chapter 24. And I want to teach, preach, I want to stir you up. And uh, I want to look at verse 14 and verse 15. And this is after they've, they've, they've come, come out of the desert, getting ready to head into the promised land, talking about the children of Israel, the Hebrews. And verse 14 says, Now therefore, fear the Lord. That means reverence Him. Fear the Lord, serve Him. Fear the Lord, serve Him. Fear the Lord, serve Him. Well, I'm a teacher, so if I always, if I see things that jump off, I have to stop and help. Uh, you know, waitresses and waiters used to be called waitress and waiters. Now they call them servers, because that's what waiters do. That's what waitress do. They serve. What does a server do? They sit back and say, my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. No, the server comes up to your table. They say, do you need a refill? Is there anything else I can get for you? Here's, here's your bill. You don't have to pay it yet. Stay as long as you want to. I'm here to serve you. Anything else? Let's just come and get me. I'm here to serve you. Well, that's what we're supposed to do for serving the Lord. Jesus, is there anything I can do for you today? Anything special today I can do for you, Jesus? Lord, I'm here to serve you. What do you want today? And I know when I was a truck driver, I used to pray the same prayer every day. I say, Lord, today I want to thank you. You're influencing my dispatcher send me where you want me to go. I want to thank you. You got customers going to call in for freight pickups because I'm the one you want to send there because there's somebody I can help. I want to thank you, Jesus. And then some days I pray, Lord, lead somebody across my path today that's close to eternity that doesn't know you so I can help them get to heaven, Lord. What can I do to serve you, Jesus? 
And so we have to know as Christians, if you're going to fear the Lord and serve him, that means serve him. You don't say to him, Jesus, fill my glass up. My tea's about empty. You say, Jesus, what can I do to make your day today? What can I do to serve you? You see what I'm saying? It says, fear the Lord and serve him. How many here, sometimes you have that Jimmy mentality where you just want to ask, give me, give me, give me, give me, as you forget you're the server. Amen. Look at all those hands go up. Not really no hands went up out there. <laughs> fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, on the other side of the, of the river and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Put away the gods. And I know when I first got born again, and I saw that, I thought about the way I was raised. And, you know, I just want to add something here, too, that I was thinking about why well, it was worse for men to go. There's, there's a thing I've heard in leadership, and it's true. It's not so much how your race starts as how it finishes. You know, some people have a really good fireball start. Man, they jump out. Man, they're on fire, preaching to everything that moves. If they don't move, they kick it to get it to move so they can preach at it. And then they backslide. They don't finish good. And you got some people seem to be very slow starters. Man, they'll come to church, and they'll sit there. And sometimes if you look at them in the flesh, you think, man, I wonder if they're saved or not. They don't ever say anything. They don't do anything. They don't move. There comes a point in time, and all of a sudden, all they've been soaking in for a long time, it soaks in, and then, man, they take off and they run, and they finish the race very well. Well, my parents, I led to Jesus before they died. And so, you know, sometimes I talk about my upbringing. I do that just to help other people. So there wasn't a lot of good moral upbringing in a lot of ways that they finished the race with Jesus. And so it's how they finish that counts. And so for we as Christians, when we see verses like this, I think about putting away the gods of your fathers, well, when I got born again, I had to put away drinking. That was my that was my parents' gods, drinking, bad tempers like Pastor Dave preached about, lying, cheating, stealing, fighting, gossiping, bad bite, bad mouthing, and all those things. There, I put those away. That was the gods they served because those gods were all part of Satan's kingdom, and so I had to put those things away. You know, it, it's something when you know you have the choice. When you're in a bad situation, and maybe you caused it, and you have a choice, well, I can go back to those other gods and lie my way out of this, or I can speak the truth to these people. I can speak the truth, ask for mercy, ask the Lord for mercy and favor, because I caused this. And you know, as Christians, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to fess up and own up to things, not try to lie our way out of it anymore. That's a different God. Uh, Jesus said in John 8, that Satan's a liar. And the father of lies. Well, he's not my father anymore. I have a new father. I belong to the father of truth. And God operates in truth. And he said right here, serve him in truth and sincerity. And so, you know, when we see things like this verse where these gods, we have to know in our own families what the gods were that our family served. And whatever those gods were, we have to walk away from cheating. We have to walk away from fighting and gossiping and whatever things are. You know, things like you know, smoking, doping, uh, drinking stuff ought to be pretty, pretty easy to see and easy to judge somebody for those things. But what about the bad mouth? You need to put those things away. And so anyway, as we keep on reading this, verse 15, he said, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, he said, Choose 
That's talking about choice. said, you choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, I'll tell you what, the gods my father served wasn't very good. It says that we're on the other side of the flood, and I say that before I was born again, are the gods of the Amorites, is whose land you dwell. How many know we're living in a world that has a different god? We're living in their land. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's called a choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So this verse instructs us as New Testament born-again Christians to change our priorities. Egypt is a type of the unsaved world and how they live. We can enjoy a lot of things that's in Egypt, but we don't have to participate in the sin of Egypt. You know, we was talking to, joking around, joking around some of the young boys in the restroom a few minutes ago about the different ball teams, about the Angels, the Dodgers, and things like that. We can, we can enjoy ball games, but we're going to have to get drunk and get mad at ball games. Amen. You know, we can eat the hot dogs and we can do the clapping and the cheering and get upset if somebody does something wrong or get excited if they do something right. But we don't have to get in there and act like non-Christians anymore. We can go there as Christians. Somebody said amen. And we can love the Dodgers or not like the Dodgers. And somebody that loves the angels and doesn't love the angels, we should be able to do what we do with other Christians and not get in a fight because somebody else doesn't love our team. Amen. Oh, <laughs> we have Dodgers fans, we have Angels fans, and all kinds of fans in here, but the number one thing, we need to be fans of Jesus. That's the first thing. So anyway, uh, we can enjoy things of the world without letting things of the world overcome us. And so, uh, heaven is real, and hell's real, and eternity's forever. I realized that in 1980, when Jesus started drawing to me, that I thought, wow, all these years up to now, if I would have died, I would have went to hell. And when I realized that my life was spared from hell, and eternity was forever, and people that I had known that died without Jesus, I knew where they were. I thought, wow, they can never get out. And then when I thought about the Christians I knew that had went to heaven, I thought, wow, they're in heaven, and I'll get to see them again someday. And so that helped me in my life to make the commitment that as for me and myself, my life, my family, we will serve the Lord because we're going to put Jesus first above all the stupid stuff and still enjoy life. And, you know, I think about Pastor Dave now, 35 years old. I remember the, when I'm 37, 37 years old. Time does fly. But I'm just, I'm just thinking about a story that, uh, how, how our kids grow up. When I got him and Joshua signed up for Little League Baseball, I'll never forget. I was, he, could, he could probably catch a ball now, I presume, right? You're a pastor, so I just got to watch out. I don't, but I, I remember when he was a little guy, like a lot of you little guys, like, like little Jose back there, one of them. I remember I was trying to get him to catch the ball. I'd throw the ball up to him real easy and fall out of his glove. Real easy. I said, put your hand, put your hand and grab it. I put a little Davy over there trying to grab that ball and finally, here, catch the ball, Davy. But I think about all those times we had, those fun times, Little League Baseball, everything we did, everything we did, Jesus was the middle of everything we did. Taught our kids how to pray before they batted, pray before they fielded, pray for what they did, and not get mad at the umpire. Leave that to Dad. No. <laughs> 
No, I never did do that. But no, I'm saying that we, we were a regular family like your family, except we chose which God we were going to serve and the people we influenced. We always influenced them in a positive way for Jesus. And so as Christians, you need to make the choice. You're going to change your priorities to line up with God's plan. You know, all the different things we do on earth, when we, when we die, when we die and we go to heaven, God is not going to congratulate you on your Ph.D. I got a Ph.D., by the way. I don't know, you know, probably everybody doesn't know that. I've got a Ph.D., but I haven't used it for a while because I don't have the farm anymore. It's called a post hole digger. These guys know what a post hole digger is. How many know what a post hole digger is? Okay, uh, I had this presented to me back in Martinsville, Indiana, years ago, a golden post hole digger. It was presented to me by a real Ph.D. professor from Indiana University. She gave me an honorary Ph.D. as my post hole digger. But what I'm saying is, when you get to heaven, God is not going to congratulate you on your education. Your education can help you on earth, but your education needs to be in line with God's plan. Have you at the right place at the right time to be an influencer for the kingdom? And so whether, whether you're a high school dropout or super educated, those things might matter on earth for some things, but the main thing that matters is what happened to your spirit. Is your spirit born again? Is your mind become renewed to the word of God? Are you learning more about God's ways or the world's ways? Where are you at on those things? See what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that matter, but when these things come important to you that you're going to serve the Lord, you need to be able to start making some different choices. Choices have consequences. And so, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And how many know who Moses was? He, he, he was Joshua's mentor. Where do you think Joshua learned these things at about choices? He learned them, he learned them from the one he hung out with. How many know that who you hang out with is how you're going to turn out most of the time? And so Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, says this. And this is God talking through Moses about Israel and what they could have for their future, but it's their choice. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Life and death, two opposites. Blessing and cursing, two opposites. He says, therefore, here's your choice. You choose. You choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. I chose to serve God and to break the family tradition of my family not be a boozer. Amen. I chose to break the family tradition not be a fighter and not be mean, not get mad, not to have to all the time get even against with somebody and just to be able to do what my big brother Jesus had to do, turn the other cheek, to walk away from things and not get all caught up in it. And you know, sometimes... A uh, much rarer occasion now than before, that old man tries to rise up on the 15. But when he does, I just have to say something like, shut up, stupid. You don't control me anymore. Amen. Shut up. Don't pay any attention to him. And I've got to where I'm pretty good 
if I have to, to pull way over to the right without being antagonistic and just get out of the way so they can go, to get out of the way. Because that old man died now, and I've made the choice I want blessing. I've made the choice that I want good and not evil. And, you know, I know. I, I just think when I drove 18-wheelers years ago, I remember what I started telling myself. And when you're a truck driver and you got schedules and you got a big 18-wheeler you're driving, sometimes it's really hard when you're in a row, you've been going hundreds of miles, man, you want to keep on going. Well, I realized one day that I was behind this old woman out in the middle of the interstate, wasn't going real fast, and I thought, I got closer, I thought, whoa, wait a minute. What if that was my mom driving that car? I would really be upset with some stupid truck driver who got on my mom's bumper and tailgated. And so I, I made a choice that day that when I see these old women or, or people out there that it's obvious they shouldn't be out there, but I'm driving a big truck, why would I want to put them in a position for me to maybe kill them or something? And so I started backing off like that because choices have consequences. And we got to think about that in life that everybody that crosses your path isn't perfect in the love walk like you are. Everybody that crosses your path has not heard yet, turn the other cheek. They haven't heard yet, love and forgive. They haven't heard yet, do unto others as you have done unto you. And so if we know that, that means we're accountable for that. And so we have to be able we have to be able, the choices we make, if we're going to serve the Lord in sincerity, we have to be able to stop and look at somebody where they're unloading on us for no reason and just be able to sit there and just realize that you've got the love of God in you and they probably don't. And if they are Christians, then they've got the love of God in them. They just haven't been taught how to walk in it. And so we have to make choices right then. They have consequences. And I think about my life over the years, of some of the most hateful people that I've loved in spite of it, how they've turned to become my best friends and things like that because of how we did not react, but how we responded. There's a difference between reacting and responding. You know that. You can react and retaliate, or you can respond with love. I think about Jesus, the time they brought that woman to him and wanted him to, him to judge her and stone her. He just got down, started writing in the dirt writes in the dirt as he sat there and just said nothing. They got up and walked away one by one. And what was he writing? Well, I heard somebody say he was probably writing their names and who they're sleeping with. <laughs> because they were guilty too, but because he didn't unload on them, he let them be convicted by their own conscience because of the silence. Do you know sometimes if you're silenced, there's more conviction takes place with that person than you could ever do to help them? Somebody needed that one. That was for real. Anyway, Moses was Joshua's mentor, and so Moses taught Joshua the benefits, the benefits of making right choices and the power of influence. And so I want to say it again. On January 29, 1980, when I asked Jesus into my heart, I made the commitment, I made the choice that day. There was no turning back. It was all the way. And that's the way it is. And you need to make that choice too. It's going to be all the way. And I wouldn't say all the way or not at all, because not at all is not a good choice. When you know heaven's real and hell's real, it's not a good choice to go back the other way. And so I want to look at some, some things tonight, tonight, some choices that I made that I think will help you. 
And so serving the Lord as a family consists of these things. I'm going to say about three or four things here. I think they'll sharpen you up. They'll help you to make the right choices. And so look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 to 25 we're going to look at. Hebrews 10, verse 22 to 25. And we're talking about some things that it, that it takes to serve the Lord that the Bible tells you. Hebrews chapter 10. How many love the book of Hebrews? It's really good. Amen. That's the present day ministry of Jesus. Hebrews 10, verse uh, 22. says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And, you know, I just have to throw this in there for that. The confession of your faith is your confession of the Word of God. Once once you've made your commitment in something you're going through, whether it's a marriage problem, a financial problem, a health problem, whatever you're going through, once you've found the Word of God to stand on, no matter what it looks like, you keep speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word. And I said something the other day, I'm going to say it again. Man, get this thing out of your vocabulary that a lot of religious people talk. Well, uh, no manifestation yet, no manifestation. Well, you're walking by faith, not by sight. The word is the evidence you need. You keep looking for manifestation, focus on manifestation, you're going to miss it. Focus on the answer. Focus on the answer. If every day... I know things I've went through before and healing, things like that. If every day you keep looking at it and say, man, it's not getting any better, it's not getting any better, well, you took your eyes off Jesus. You got your eyes on the getting better instead of what the Word says. I know that when I've, when I've had something happen to my body, something going on, I get a hold of Mark 16, lay hands sick, they shall recover, or the elders of the church anoint me with all the name of the Lord, pray the prayer of faith, and then I agree with the Word. I'm getting better every day. He said, I shall recover. I'm getting better every day. Well, no manifestation, well, you just threw the word away. You're not, walk, you're not walking by faith, you're walking by sight. And, you know, it's the same thing in a relationship. If you've been having problems with somebody and you're fighting and all those kind of things going on, if you're looking for manifestation, then you're going to miss it. You've got to work on you. As you're working on you, you're going to see them change too. That's the way it works. You don't look, you don't look in the outside for answers. You look to Jesus at his word for the answers and says, let us hold fast to the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. So as you're confessing what the word says, you're confessing the answer. You know, I like what I heard a man say one time. If you're working a math problem and this thing has overwhelmed you and you've worked at it for days, you finally got the answer and there's the answer. You're working about this is the answer. Why are you go to wait about a week and go start all over again. Say, man, i got to figure this out again. I'm gonna, you got the answer. There's the answer. Focus on it. If you've already got the answer what God says, why are you going to go back and keep rehashing the problem? Amen. And we're talking about things to help you and your family anyway. Uh, it says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Here's what I'm headed to. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. If we're going to serve God, 
It's sincerity and truth. If we're going to be a ser serious family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I know Sunday nights we're talking to people that they're walking in this. But people out there maybe aren't walking in it, and maybe somebody will see this in the future, they need to see this again. But it says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, as you see the day approaching. I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I see the day approaching. I, uh, I think about when I got saved in 19, 1980, how much the world's changed in this few short years. It's, it's just, you know, pe people that are a little older like we are understand this is not the same world we lived in 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years. This is not the same world. This is not leave it to Beaver Father knows best anymore. This is a whole different world. And so it says that we're, we're to go to church together. And I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And I want to show you why this is so important for the dads and moms to set the example. Talking about consistent church attendance. Ephesians 5, verse 1 says, Be ye therefore followers... Or if you got another translation, it says imitators. Be imitators of God as dear children. And the Amplified Bible says as, as well-beloved children imitate their fathers. And so our children are going to imitate us. I think about me. Think about my family. Boy, I'll tell you what. All, myself and all my brothers tried to out-booze out my dad. Man, we tried to drink him under the table. Nobody won. We all lost. I got born again. I got a different father. And so I imitate God, my Father, now. And then also, I imitate my spiritual leaders. I imitate Dr. Barclay. The things Dr. Barclay's taught me, I watch, and I see how he conducts himself, and I do, because he's a godly man. My, my first pastor that went to heaven. I imitated the godly things he taught me. And that's what we do. We imitate people we respect, but we're talking about our children right now. And I think about what Brother Hagin said so many times, he said when he was a pastor, he said he could, he said he could predict, and this, this is a kind of a powerful statement, he said, I could predict 100% of the time how kids were going to turn out. He said, I would watch their parents' church habits. I would watch the respect or the lack of respect they had for tithes and offerings, that they had for church things, that they had for ministry people. I watched what they had. And he said he watched them over the course of years and years and years and years. And the people that were sporadic in church attendance, the people that were sometimes in, sometimes out, you never knew where they're going to be, said that's how their children were. It was magnified in their kids' lives. He said the ones that were really very consistent, very faithful, one to serve, one to help, part of the family of God, said their, their kids would grow up and outdo them because they wanted them magnified. And so we have to realize... As for me and my house, the power of influence, your kids are going to imitate you. If you are half in, half out, half flaky, then guess where you're going to raise up? If you're very consistent about kids, and you know, something that Mrs. Pastor and I, she's, I tell you, she's such a godly mother and grandmother, so many things she taught me, but what we always, we never, ever, 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 ever one time told our kids you have to go to church we never ever said that ever 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 our whole thing was always we get to go to church today 
So guess how our kids are raised? Guess how they've raised their kids? We get to go to church. On Saturday nights, it was always, tomorrow's church day, let's go to bed. Why are you going to go to bed? Because kids that stay up late on Saturday night don't want to get up on Sunday morning. Parents that stay up late on Saturday night don't want to get up Sunday morning. And so because we always knew that was our church day, then we always went to bed early. Always got things ready. And then things go on. It never was. I don't think any of our kids ever said, do we have to go to church? I don't think I ever heard that. Maybe we did I forgot it. We never heard it. Well, because we trained them right. We ourselves lived 24-7. We never let any gods rule our house except Jesus. We did things. We had vacation. We did fun things. But everything was always built around Matthew 6:33 to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So therefore, the choices we made had great influence on our kids. And I'm so grateful today, I'm so grateful today that my kids and my grandkids are not addicts, they're not thugs, they're not whatever, but they're godly people to serve God. And you notice I didn't say the perfect people, because we're not perfect. But one thing we know to do for sure, if we miss it, we ought to quickly get to Jesus. We ought to quickly repent and pray and get things right. And you know what that's called? That's called influencing your children what to do. I can remember so many times, well, maybe not so many, I better not say so many. I can remember a few times when I was really did something stupid, and the main thing was that if I would just, you know, get mad at my wife or something. I remember sometimes I'd go through my goofy stuff. And when I did, I would call all the family into the living room. We'd sit down. I'd say, kids, I want to tell you something. What I just did was wrong. I shouldn't have acted that way. shouldn't have said those things. That was wrong, 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 wrong. Jesus wouldn't do that. And then I would say this. I'd read 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins, faithful, just forgive you and cleanse you. I'd say, kids, I asked Jesus to forgive me for being mean. I asked Jesus to forgive me for saying those things, and he forgave me. And then I'd look at Mrs. Pastor and say, Mom, will you forgive me for being mean and stupid? I forgive you. And I'd say, Joshua, remember those days, Josh? I'd say, Josh, will you forgive me? I forgive you, Daddy. I'd say, I'd say little Davy, will you forgive me? I forgive you, Daddy. <laughs> that was Josh. And then I'd do Addie. And then I do, Joe. No, I'm giving you an example of how this works. If you consistently act like a jerk at home and never make it right and come to church and act like a Christian, you know what your kids are going to do when they turn 18 years old or sooner? They're going to book, going to be out the door. They're going to say, man, I know what church people are like because I watched my dad. I'm not going to be that way. I just, If I'm going to live for the devil, I'm going to be all the way, not just... Not just six days a week and then Sabbath act like Jesus. Amen. I've told you how this works. And so influence, influence has everything to do with how your house is going to serve God. And so dad and mom being in agreement about the value of consistency in church attendance and scheduling life events around church services, especially events, has everything to do with how your family is going to turn out. Amen. Amen. Uh, choices have consequences. Your family's future. Now listen to this. I've made this statement a lot of times over the years. 
but this has got to register for you. This has really got to get into you. Your family's, your, your family's future won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. You know, I've heard people tell us so many times, oh, you're just so lucky how your kids are. You're just so lucky your kids go to church. I tell the same thing every time. It has nothing to do with luck. We made the choice. We made the choice when we got married that we got married, number one, because we knew it was the will of God. We got married because in Malachi it says God said he wants a godly seed. And so he wants godly seed out of us. And so we got married to serve Jesus, to raise up godly children, and to fulfill the plan and purpose of God for these samples family. And whatever your family is, whether you end up being like what we're doing, being pastors or not, doesn't make any difference. You'll only answer what God called you to do. If you're called to raise kids that go to high school and they come out of high school and God puts in your heart no more education, it's time to just go out and be productive in what God's called you to do as long as you're a Christian. That that's what you'll get judged for, your kids will get judged for, that's where it's at. Follow God's plan for your life. God needs Christians in every field of life. God needs Christians to minister in the factories, to minister at the schools, to minister at the truck docks. Everywhere there's people, there's a need for Jesus. And God needs Jesus' people everywhere they go. And so don't ever put your children in a cookie cutter and say, man, they all got to go to school. Or they all, none of them go to school. You don't say that. You say, Jesus, I've raised them for you. And what you want them to do, that's what they'll do. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so the main thing is, you set the example spiritually go to church. And then I want you also then look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 and 34, and put this on in the New Living, the, the New Living uh, translation, Doug. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34, New Living translation. Uh, I'll, I'll come out of my mode on that one. I'll do that one because this one does it so much better than what the King James does. This is not every time, Pastor Dave. This is this time. <laughs> Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34, and it says, Are we froze? There we go. Now look at this. Don't be fooled by those uh, who say this thing. For look at this. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Now look at the next verse, verse 34. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, say they, uh, they say some of them that don't know God at all. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. And so we're talking about who your kids hang out with, who you hang out with. Bad company corrupts good character. And so as much as we can, we need to choose to have our family hang out with sold-out Christians. I want to say that again, to hang out with sold-out Christians. Who you hang out with the most is who you'll imitate the most, both you and your children. And so I think about 
I think about what I've seen, the mistake that I've seen Christians make. And, you know, I just, I just want to say this for us as Christians. When I was a truck driver, I hanged out with, hung out with plenty of sinners every day. Every day, all day long, I was mixed in with sinners. I was an evangelist to the world. The places I went, the people I saw, most of the people that were my bosses were not saved. Most of the people I worked with were not saved people. I was in there with them, witnessing all day long. All the people, all the factories, warehouses, businesses I went to, I got to witness people all day long. And so why, when I clocked out, would I want to go to where sinners are and just get more dirty? I was already with them all day long. And so I did not feel guilty at all because I didn't want to go hang out with the boozers anymore. I witnessed to them every day, all day. And so as a Christian witness, I got drained by what I dished out. And so when I was off the clock from the job, unless God had me go to some kind of special event for a special, uh, I, I call myself a missionary to the world. As a missionary to those things, I went, but I had to get replenished. I had to come to church events. I had to go to church alleys and church gatherings, hang around Christians, because who I hung out with influenced me. And so if I hung around with sinners all day long, what is the guilt of going to hang out with Christians all night long then? I had to go back to get filled up to go back out. And so I think about our kids now. Let's take this to the kids, about influencers. How many know, and when I say this, I say this with love and respect, there's so many good Christian teachers out there in the school system. So many good Christian kids even in the school system. But like all our secular jobs, a lot of the kids and a lot of the teachers are not godly. They're not Christian people. And so if our kids are out there all day long where they have no control over who's influencing them, why should we throw them into after-school events in the same thing 24-7 and then let them dip their toe in Christianity one Sunday morning a week and think they're going to be influenced by godly things? Amen. Amen. You know, I, I just, I could almost feel things coming because people don't understand that principle. But look at you. If you're with people all day long that tell sexual jokes, that talk dirty things, hate, strife, party, can't wait till we get off, party, party, party. Hey, remember, go do this, go do that. Hey, did you see this latest movie, this stupid, stupid? My wife and I stay about 20, 30 years behind on the movies. Man, every once in a while, we'll somebody be over and try to see what's on. And hey, that looks good. And wow, did you see that? And they said, that was made in 1980. I said, oh, well, we never saw it before. And so what I'm saying is this. We, as Christians, are going to be affected by who we hang out with. Our children are going to be affected by who they hang out with. And so we have to work. Kids have to go to school. But our off time, we should be very wise who we choose to hang out with. We should be very wise who our kids hang out with. Because who they hang out with is who they're going to act like. If you want your kids to be bullies and liars and snotty and rebel, just let them go to school all day long and then all their off time hang out with the same bunch. And then say what I've heard said so many times. I don't know why they're acting this way. And all I can do is look and know the family at the time what their kids just say, well, duh. 
moving right along, moving right along. Choices have consequences, so we have to choose as much as we can to put our kids in position to win by being with people they can win with. We're talking about as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so that's the way this works. So I'm going to do right even if, even if nobody else is. I made that choice a long time ago because how many have noticed there's a lot of uh, double-agent Christians that are half in and half out, and they'll judge you and they'll judge your family? Uh, how are we doing on time? we got we got a little bit of time to talk, right? I'm thinking about the homeschooling. My wife and I, years ago, homeschooled when it wasn't popular. We homeschooled a long time ago. You would not believe the amount of Christians that judged us for homeschooling. Well, don't you know they're not going to have any social reactions or interactions, whatever they call it, social stuff from all these other people? We had plenty of social stuff for our kids and for other people. We did not have the corruption of hanging out with sinner kids from sinner families, did all the corrupt things. Our kids hung out with church kids. We were in Little League Baseball and did all the other stuff that kids do. But the thing is, they were in a controlled environment where we control what they got, how many see the fruit. And, you know, I look at this COVID thing, what happened, one of the big pluses out of that is that a lot of people are homeschooling now. They found out the value of homeschooling and what it is to have their kids in a different environment where they can help develop their character how God wants them to. And so we have to know, as Christians, choices have consequences. And so that's the route we chose, and it worked. And so I choose to be biblically correct over politically correct any time. And so it doesn't make any difference if all the world, half the Christian world said, this is what we ought to do. What does God say? And uh, anyway, that's enough on that one. And I want, I want you to look at Proverbs 29, 25. Proverbs 29, 25. And this verse become very real to me as a young Christian years ago. says this, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man, the fear of man. And so reverence for God and fear of what he thinks about you and your life's choices, you need to fear him more than your children, unsaved people, or carnal, lukewarm Christians. You know, how many of us when you're in, a, in an atmosphere of there's other people in the room and things are going on, discussions happening, <clears throat> and everybody says something you know is totally wrong, even Christians. Totally wrong about political things going on, about moral things in the country going on, things going on. And then somebody looks at you and says, well, Leah, what do you think about that? Well, is it going to be the fear of man or the fear of God? Now they look at you and say, Raymond, uh, you... You hear what we're talking about. Now, what's your opinion on this, Raymond? Is it going to be, well, this is all my friends, and uh, I don't want to offend them. I don't want them to think I'm stupid. I don't want, I don't want to want, well, you're fearing them more than God. And that's, that's the point in time when you speak up and say, well, you know what? You guys can have your opinions and all you want to. I'm not going to judge you, but you brought me into the conversation. So here's how I live. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what I believe. And, you know, if you don't like it, that's between you and God. But for me, this is how I live. This is what I believe. 
And you know what? You will sleep so much better that night when you went home. You're not going to lay there and kick yourself in the rear end all night long thinking, oh, stupid, stupid, stupid. Why didn't you speak up? Why didn't you speak up? Why did you lie? You know what you really believe. Why didn't you tell the truth? We as Christians have to be willing to say what we really believe. And the way I've always been, pretty much, I don't, I don't like conflict. I don't get on things. But when I get backed into a corner, especially in public places, I don't compromise. <clears throat> I'm not one of them gets out there and jumps up on the soapbox and starts preaching fire and brimstone and shouting and hollering and running people off. But when my opinion is asked, I give it from the Bible, what God says. That's called the fear of man because if you don't speak up what's right, that's going to be used against you. You know, this is pastor wants to preach. Okay, well, here she comes. I tell you, I tell you what, life with pastors is a, is a, is a real thrill. Um, you got to get this picture. Okay, Josh was playing Little League. And I don't know, Josh, if you heard any of this or if you were out in the field didn't hear any of this. But when we went back to Indiana this time, we drove to our old hometown, Martinsville, and we went down to the Little League field. You know, just so many memories of our kids playing ball there. But one day, uh, Josh's team was playing, and there's this lady in the stands, and I know you can all relate to this. And this woman just started cussing up a blue streak, using the four-letter word that we all know what begins with, you know what I mean? I just, she just went on and on and on and on. And I think Joe and Annie were little and I had them with me. Pastor had enough. And he got up amongst all these people and he started singing. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. I'm in front of the stands. I got in front of the bleachers oh. right up at the field by the fence where they're playing. And I started just singing. He started, I, she shut up. I started dancing and raised my hand, singing the top of my lungs, the blood of Jesus. <laughs> you know, equal opportunity, you know. And I've, I've been to, like, professional baseball games, and somebody in back of me is losing the, the name of the Lord in vain, you know. And I'll just say, Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, if they're gonna if they're gonna use His name cussing, I just say, Jesus Christ is Lord. I flip it around. Well, there's something else He does sometimes. <laughs> we'll be at a uh, we'll be out to eat or something, and uh, there'll be people in there just being idiots, you know. And so Pastor will start to pray over the food, but he prays real <laughs> loud. And he does this. You know, we all join hands around, you know, around the table, and he says, Father, I just want to thank you that you died for our sins. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus is Lord. I thank you, Lord, your word says that if we confess and believe that Jesus, you know, and he says it real, real loud. And you can hear a pin drop in the restaurant. But doesn't God deserve equal time? You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, you never know what he's going to do. It just, you know, sometimes like that. And I think, glory to God. But I'm glad you were, you did that. Thank you, dear. So there you go. I got mine. He's got his own <laughs> night. Always well, and, and I want to say something. I got that boldness from my first pastor. Whatever I'd be out people's family, my pastor would do things like that. So I saw what he did. And so I followed him as he followed Christ. And... You know, that's just the way it is. Our kids will follow us. 
And whenever I've done things like that, I didn't do that for a show. I did that because when you're in a family restaurant, in a family atmosphere, and you got jerks in there, got a couple beers in them or something, whatever they're doing, and they're sitting doing all that cussing, carrying on. Well, if they talk so loud, you can't even have a conversation at your table. Why shouldn't I be able to pray loud? But you know what I found out? Every time I've done that without fail, we've owned the restaurant. You know why? At the name of Jesus, every knee's got to bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what we've done. That. So anyway, uh, you uh, need to reverence God and make the right choices. And I'll and I put down here more than what, what you got to fear him more than your kids. Let me just throw one out at you. Things have changed a lot since we raised our kids. Of all the playthings, all the eating out things, the things going on. If you're facing debt right now, and you're having trouble paying your bills, you're believing God to get out of debt, fear God more. Don't spend his tithe at McDonald's. Don't spend his tithe down at Legoland. If God's tithe is God's tithe that you got to set aside for him, don't let them jerk on your pants leg and tell you, you got to go and lay down and throw a fit and go spend the tithe. Fear God first. And then you let them know, when we get the money, we'll go down there. Right now, we don't have the money to do these things, so we won't do them, but we will have the money someday. We took, we took Isaac, well, we took Isaac, he stayed with us, to Dairy Queen this week. And we're sitting there talking, and, and, I, and I, re, I recalled raising Josh and David and the kids. I said, man, I, well, I wish we, were, we would have had Dairy Queen money. I think one time, raised those kids, we went to Dairy Queen. I remember, I remember, the, I remember the year back in the early 80s when McDonald's came out with a quarter ice cream cone. About once a month, we had the extra quarters to McDonald's. But God always got his tithe, never robbed him one time. He got his tithe first. We did what we good. Guess what? We can go to all the McDonald's we want to now. Just don't really want to. <laughs> we can do all the Dairy Queens now we want to. We couldn't then, but we can now. We feared God enough to know he's got his tithe. If there's nothing left, there's nothing left. But the kids didn't talk us into spending his money. Hey, man, can you see that? That's called fearing God. And so I'll, th I'll throw one more verse at you because you need to see this. Go to James chapter 1, verse 8. Is these two little things I put out here helping you? Hey, man, it's real. And, you know, I, uh, I just have to say, uh, judge our fruit. And... You know, for you that are grandparents, you still got great influence now more than ever. Just be the Christian you're supposed to be. James chapter 1, verse 8 says this. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. As, a, as an influencer, you need to make the choice to be stable to be steady, to be consistent in how you live. Don't be a double agent. Your mate and children will be seriously influenced if you live a godly life all the time. Be stable. Be consistent. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so years ago, when I was believing God for some things and really, really, really tried to keep my faith strong to get to where we were, the Lord, over a period of time, 
just, I kept getting little nuggets out of those verses, so I wrote this down. It's always stuck with me. If a double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways, then a single-minded man must be stable then in all his ways. If double-minded is unstable in all, then a single-minded must be stable in all, in all his ways. And so then a single-minded man is what? I said, Lord, what's a single-minded man? Then it took about a month before I got the answer. Now get this. This has always carried me. A single-minded man is a word-minded man. If you're word-minded, you're always going to be stable. If you've, made, if you've got the revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's real, and you stick that revelation, you're going to stay stable all the days of your life. Everything will build around that. If you've got the revelation that the tithe belongs to God, you're always going to be stable financially. You always get the tithe. If you've got the revelation, you love, you forgive, you don't hold grudges, and you stick with that, you're going to be single-minded in that walk. And when you get the revelation, whatever it is you've got, stick with that, and you'll be stable. And when your children and your grandchildren see that stableness, that consistency, then that's called a choice. Choices have consequences. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we choose blessing and not cursing. We choose good and not evil. Make those choices. Have you do that? I can guarantee you when all is said and done, when your family stands before Jesus, Jesus is going to look at you and say, Samples family, I'm so grateful you did what you did. And then he's going to look around at the multitude of people, the ripple effect we've had on all the people in all of our life. And he's going to say, thank you for influencing all these people come to heaven. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Is that what we're after? Amen. Let's do it then. Let's stand up. Amen, amen. Joshua Aaron told that story this morning. He got his name in the recovery room at St. Francis Hospital. All right, well, as we, as we worship the Lord here in closing, if you need prayer, we'd like to pray for you. And, uh, you know, I just think about our church. There's anointing in here because we're in here. And the Holy Ghost lives in us. And we come, when we come together, it's called the corporate anointing. You bring the anointing you have, we bring what we have. We worship God together, and the anointing gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you need something in here tonight, let's pray for you, because there's an anointing we have in here that we don't have out there, because we've got the corporate anointing that's in here. So if there's something you've been battling, something going on, then this is the time to come up to get it because there's more power here than there is out there. Amen. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. I know my God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. 
For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out tonight. Praise the Lord. Who received some good word tonight? Amen. We will choose life. Amen. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. We'll go ahead and we'll close out. Remember, if you're going to be going on the men's fishing trip tomorrow, uh, meet up here at the church. If you want to uh, get a ride with Tim and the guys, uh, meet up at, meet here at 4 a.m. and going to head on down the hill. And I know a couple of the other guys are going to be going a little bit later, but it'll be a super cool time. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, pray and we will speak some faith over Barstow tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for what we've seen in your word uh, this morning and then tonight. And God, I pray that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. We realize that the blessing comes when we are obedient to your word and we put it into action. So help us to do that. And Lord, we ask that you would use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. We know that the end is coming soon, Jesus, and we want to do our part to get as many people to heaven as we can. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done in our lives. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Man, all right. Let's go ahead and do our Barstow Faith Confession. Let's have James do it. It's been a little while, all right? This guy's, hey, this guy's, he's really good at it. Can you do it? All right, let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. 
Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, see you Wednesday. Yeah.